everyone, and welcome back to She's All That Minute. The podcast where we analyze the 1999 examination of popularity in high school, She's All That, one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Aaron. I'm your co-host, James. And we're at minute 21, which begins with Jesse saying, I mean, the best looking guy in school is stalking you, and you're not the least bit curious? <laughs> and it goes through the audience watching the first art performance at the Jester. Yes, that's right, art performance. I have a question. Okay. About that. I mean, let me let me say this. For this minute, I think I'd have just one question. Okay. Um believe me more will more will certainly be coming. Sure. Um but first I have a question about this last little bit in the falafel barn. Mhm. Uh, have we established not that we should because it's weird to ask this but have we established jesse's sexual preferences i do not believe that we have okay this was the first time possibly in the movie that i've seen the movie where i'm like not because i'm gonna preface this not because he thinks of zach as the most as the hottest guy in school right that is not what why but him saying that in the way that he did i was like wait a minute I thought that he was kind of duckying for for Lainey, like sort sure. of like a pining, I made you a mixtape, check out my hat. Right. But it could be that he's sort of not that and is more like a Joshua Jackson and Cruel Intentions sort of deal. Yeah, I don't think we ever get, wait, Joshua Jackson and Cruel Intentions. I think he had bleach blonde hair and was gay. I'm not positive about that. Maybe by, I'm not sure, Cruel Intentions wow, is a I, weird wild ride. I don't remember him being in that movie at all because it's been so long since I've seen it. I it, it, and, I, and I didn't mean that to come across like I don't believe you, no, but no, no, more no. like me realizing, wow, I remember very little of that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, me too. Like very, I, very little of that movie. I remember um, one scene and then I think a generalized plot. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And maybe, I'm sure maybe that the, the scene end. that we remember is the same scene. Yeah. Tennis has always been a passion of mine. And like the uh-huh. tennis scene in that movie yes. is, is a thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What was his role? Like, I think he, I think he tried to seduce Ryan Phillippe. I'm pretty sure he was gay in that. I'm not huh. positive. Well, whether he was or not. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter because that's not the movie that we're discussing. <laughs> it but could be in the future. It's but... one of those things where it's like, are, it, I mean, one, it, I mean, it doesn't matter if it doesn't come up. It doesn't matter if it does come up, but it doesn't matter if it's not part of the plot. Right. But two, it's weird, like assumptions made and sort of reconsidered and stuff based on I don't stop moving forward. I don't think that there was I don't think that there is ever I don't think it's ever addressed. Yeah. It does kind of I've always kind of gotten the vibe from Jesse and Lainey's relationship that there's a possibility that Jesse was originally written to be a female best friend. Mm. And then Eldon Henson auditioned and they were like, "Okay, well, you know, he's not right for anything else, but we really right. like him. Let's just make Jesse a dude. Right. And yeah, he auditioned I mean, for one of the dumb friends. And he's right. like, they're like, this is not. They look at Paul Walker's headshot and they're like, 
look up at Eldon Henson, look back down. They're like, no, I can't do this. I'm we sorry, can't do guys. this. I but, can't. Yeah, but you are very, very talented and we do want you in the movie. Yeah, it's, I mean, the the character from what I remember is generically best friendy enough yeah. that yeah. That's that is the personality of this character. That is all that we have for this character is oh, it's the main character's best friend. Like a Juliet's nurse sort of situation. Exactly. Just so like there to bounce ideas off of and then leave. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I also get the feeling that everyone in school recognizes Zach as being the hottest guy right. in school. Now, it's interesting right. because I would say that if you look at him ne- at Freddie Prince Jr. and Paul Walker next to each other, like, the, I would consider them both equally good-looking guys, but Paul Walker is certainly the more, I guess, traditionally all-American, yeah, blonde, tan, blue-eyed attractive. Yeah. That it's just interesting that um, Freddie Prince Jr., who is super good-looking, but has yeah. some personality to his attractiveness. Yeah. Which which makes it sound sound like I'm dunking on Paul Walker, which I'm absolutely not. He's a really no. good looking dude, but he's like sure. generically hot. Where Freddie Prince Jr. has some character to yeah. his hotness. For sure. Do you think it's possible that in 1999, Freddie Prince Jr. was the American ideal of hot teen man? And then, then moving forward into the 2001 Fast, Furious, etc. era, Paul Walker shifted gears. Huh? Huh? Oh, very Sorry. nice. Thank you. And became like it, it was like that was like the inflection point, the uh, the Prince Junior Walker inflection point. TM TM TM. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that that's possible? Because like I think of Freddie Prince Junior. as one of the like yeah, 98, 99. 97 maybe like Mm -hmm. i know what you did last summer through this kind of yeah it's like he was a good looking i mean he still is a good looking man but like he was sort of the all right we have to put a billboard up of good looking teen man in movie so freddie prince jr yeah one of one of two or three yeah for sure put him up there yeah well paul walker has sort of a james deany type vibe to him mm. that which is mm-hmm. why i consider him like classically attractive mm-hmm. because he sure. just has the like i can see him doing the brooding thing he's actually he's he was a very talented comedic actor too but like you could totally see him doing like the brooding thing and yeah you know he's got the the hair and the eyes and i don't know i wonder if maybe it's there's just a couple different strains of like yeah. hot teen actor and For, they just, they sure. fall on kind of parallel but separate tracks. Yeah. Well, and in the, in the, if we take it back to the My Fair Lady adaptation, those, you know, Henry Higgins and random other person that made the bet with him, mm-hmm. I'm sure he has a name and a deep backstory, but they were sort of like equal rich guys. Like, yeah. So it was like, it just happens that Henry Higgins was the one that, was the bet executioner. Right. Bet executioner is one of the more badass ways of saying what is happening in My Fair Lady, but... Is executor um, the word you were looking for? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Or executor. Or like, yeah, executor of the bet, for <laughs> yeah. sure. That now, now it sounds all legal. But, like, it was like, 
it felt like it could just as easily have been, you know, Harold Wickenbacker the third, the other guy. Right. Had things been switched. And I feel the same way with, with Dean and Zach. Like it could have been yeah. the opposite. It's just the way the conversation went and Freddie Prince Jr. had or you know, Zach had just broken up, so he was sort of in that position and Right. Whatever. It has me thinking about pretty Wim- uh, pretty woman. Yeah. Because Jason Alexander is the the other guy. And it's like it follows a different path, kind of. But in that movie, you would not say Jason Alexander and Richard Gere are essentially interchangeable. I mean, truly, I can think of very few realms. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like in any capacity. Like their characters were completely different. Yeah. The actors themselves are fall into totally different categories. Like, Jason Alexander yeah. is a very good character actor, but sure. he's never going to be the romantic lead just right. because he doesn't have the right look for it. I It makes me think of that. I, I'm realizing right now I've never seen Pretty Woman all the way through, so that's Oh, something. really? Yeah. Have you at least seen to the polo match? The... I'm going to say that because I had no idea there was a polo match, oh, not. That's when you really get to see Jason Alexander shine. All right. And well, you really I mean, get think, to see what an asshole he is. I think that it's been like a big mistake not to see Pretty Woman. You know what I mean? Huge. Huge. Um, yes. But it reminds me a little bit of Reality Bites, which is Ethan Hawke and Ben Stiller. Okay. I've who- only seen that. I think once back in high school, so I don't remember much. But the soundtrack is very good. It is very good. Reality Bites and Pretty Woman are like, you know, if we're on the opposite sides of mirrors, it's like yours and mine. Um, Mm -hmm. But like Ben Stiller is sort of the character actor. He's a good looking man, but kind of also can look real goofy. Yes. And Ethan Hawke is like mostly good. I mean, listen, talented actor. Love him in lots of things. Very pretty, very pretty guy. And yes. I feel like in Reality Bites, one of his roles was real pretty. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of, it's sort of that, yeah, because it's kind of like um, funny versus looks. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Andrew, not Shu. Um, um, Keegan. Andrew Keegan um, in 10 Things I Hate About You. It's like, do you want the kind of goofy looking but smart and... and has a more than one layer guy or the t-shirt guy. Interesting. And see, what's funny is that like looking back on it now, I'm like, Oh, you abs like Joseph Gordon Levitt is, has, I have always thought that he was adorable. Um, Same, same. Like I would always have considered him way hotter than Andrew Keegan, but I see your point that Andrew Keegan had the vibe of I'm a t-shirt model. Right. And I would say, you know, it sounds like in Pretty Woman, the correct choice was for sure Richard Gere, which is not to say that his character had no depth to him like Andrew Keegan in Ten Things I About You, but you can get also the has a lot of character, is funny, and also has been burned, and so is a supervillain sort of goofy looking guy, which is Ducky, I swear to God, in Pretty in Pink 2, Ducky, no, 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 Buffy saved the day, never mind, it's fine. Um, Yes. But, uh... Yeah, it's it's weird that there's often that dichotomy there. Yeah. Like a Romeo versus Paris thing, too. Like, yeah. Do you want a guy with a hat or a guy who will <laughs> not get the message that you're not actually dead? No, right. No. Yeah, no, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, no. Um, and that's another case where, I'm sorry, but I want Paul Rudd over Leonardo DiCaprio well, listen, every day. 
someone made a decision in 1996, and I think I understand in 1996. In 1996, I understand the decision. However, (laughs) yes, however, (laughs) which I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I have nothing against Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Very talented actor. Not a bad looking dude. Not my type. Paul Rudd has been my type from the very beginning. I will always love him. Yes. He is Paul Rudd. Yeah. He can do no wrong. Absolutely. So... that we're talking about the wrong Paul, though. We were talking about Paul right. Walker. Somehow we Correct. transitioned to Paul Rudd. Who we should be talking about is Eldon Henson. We Eldon are still Henson. in the best. We're still in the first line of this scene. <laughs> so, right. um, but don't worry. It's hastily wrapped up in a way that I felt found very unsatisfying. Yes. <laughs> ba- basically, what happens is Lainey's like, "Okay, fine. You have a point." She tells Zach, "Meet me at the Jester." At 7. The show is at 7.30. Right. Go home now. <laughs> at first, I was like half an hour. She's like, parking's bad. Yeah. So come half an hour early. I was like, half an hour for parking? I was like, she doesn't want him showing up at 7.30 or being like, oh, parking was bad. So I missed it. Right. She wants him there for sure there and not showing up when the thing starts. Right. And being like, I'm out of here because... Yipes. Right. Yeah. So, so Zach says, yeah. uh, basically asks her, you know, do you want to get dinner beforehand? And she's like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and then she turns to her customer. Mm-hmm. And asks if he's made a decision regarding supersizing his meal. Correct. And he has, Aaron. He, he has. has. And James, would you like to tell us what that decision is or should I? Well, he he has he has decided yes. He he would like them to supersize his balls. Yes. And, and that the face is... that... And listener, the face that your brain made just now is the face that Rachel Lee Cook makes. Yeah, that is what you call... Uh, we need this scene to do something, but also we're going to have fun. And we're men and we're 25 and it's 1999. Right. Like it... <laughs> I mean, to be fair... I, now as a 38-year-old woman in 2021, would also have written that joke. For sure, yeah, yeah. It's, it's It's a fun joke in a way that I would be nervous about having written it in my major blockbuster film, but very fine making it up on a podcast such as this one or other ones that we do where I have made jokes like this or worse. (laughs) <laughs> that's that that is true because this came out now see i think that american pie paved the way for all mm. of the super super size my balls type jokes but that came yeah. out the same year as this right so this, but it was so it was the zeitgeist yeah was ball stuff yeah so i don't think that this movie when it was being written could have relied on mm. american pie to be like we can totally put the super size my balls joke in right but well and that's Oh, I myself have made the, have made, have like made a reference to supersize my balls on yeah. more than one occasion since the first time I saw this movie. Because anytime but, I can work it into conversation and have it be relevant, I absolutely do. I mean, you should work the balls in whenever you can, but. Right. Um, exactly. It's a fun thing to do. And it's one of my, now, this is one that I would be 
easily convinced to be on board with for my blockbuster movie. Nervous, perhaps, but I would be easily convinced because you have plausible deniability because it, what, falafel balls? What are you talking about? She asked if he wanted to supersize the falafel balls and he said he did. Yeah. What are you, what are you getting hung up about? Right. You know? And then you, and then you just stare at them until they go away. That's just, that's just screenwriting. Exactly. That is exactly how screenwriting works. You (laughs) stare at them until they go away and then you, you get to make a movie. And you copy, you know, control C balls mm-hmm. and then paste at will. You know what yep. I mean? Because now you've gotten precedent. So Speaking of balls. Yeah, okay. Let's move on to the next scene, which is performance art night at the Jester, which appears to suck balls. All right. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say short answer, yes. Especially because, well, now I guess I guess we I guess um, Jesse never said. Uh, Here you can have my ticket. Pay me back later or whatever. I guess maybe there wasn't there weren't tickets involved in terms of like selling tickets. I would assume that Lainey gets a comp ticket as okay. a person performing in this show and gave it to Jesse who then gave it to Zach as fast as he possibly could. And after having watched this week's worth of minutes, (laughs) boy, do I understand why. Okay. I think majority of performance art talk is going to be Tuesday and Wednesday. Yes. For this, for this major thing. Yes. Um, I, will say that I should look at my notes just real quick to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. Oh, but I was very much reminded of things like, now, not exactly, but like Hamlet Machine-esque mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Yes. Um, Where it's like, all right, I mean, I guess, I see you're saying things to be provocative. Is that the, that is the point? Oh, okay, cool. Like, it, yeah. let's find the... Yeah, we'll talk about it more tomorrow, but... Yeah, yeah. well, so Hamlet Machine, and there's this play that Kevin loves called Rhinoceros that's all about people turning into rhinoceroses for, I think there's a reason, I don't know. Mm. I don't like that. I think it's called, like, experimental theater. I don't like it. That is not the type of theater that I prefer. It's a little more scripted and straightforward, point A to point B, there's a plot. Yeah. Then what we're seeing in this week's worth of minutes. Sure. Like you can see the, I'm going to say idea that they're going right. for playing out, but I would not say that there is a plot to this performance. Uh, yeah. There are, I think there are images, there are ideas, there are themes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and you can see that they have been core. I mean, it's basically, it's more of a dance than a, than a, right. a play or, or like an, a one act or whatever. Right. Um, we'll get to that tomorrow, though. I am so excited to talk to you about just a bunch of things tomorrow. Um, I have two more things. Uh, the music starts playing with mm-hmm. Zach sitting there alone. Um, yes. And wait a minute. Um, does he know that Lainey is performing? He does, right? I don't think so. I don't okay. think he knows that it was performance art. I think he was <laughs> expecting to show up to like a gallery. A gallery, right. Although if he knows the jester, then maybe he knows that it's a theater. So maybe he yeah. should have had an inkling that maybe this wasn't going to be like a typical gallery. Right. 
But yeah, I, yeah. I wonder if she like went out to meet him in costume and he was like, what are you doing? I think she didn't at all. Do you think she just left a ticket at Will Call? No, Jesse gave him the ticket. Oh, right then? Yeah, at the at the at the thing, I think he said, "Here, you can have my ticket." I'm pretty sure he had him uh, had it on him. Oh, okay. I didn't remember that. I remember I'm him saying, positive. "You can have my ticket." I don't oh, remember okay. him saying or handing it over. Maybe not. Maybe I'm imagining because he because di- he didn't get up, and I don't remember Zach moving over to where he was. Oh, that's true. That's true. So if and she left, if like she a left cool a ticket at will of, call, yeah. it yeah. could be that he went in and like stood around waiting for her for a while because this is pre cell phone, so he couldn't have texted her. Right. So then he maybe went up to the ticket booth and was like, "I'm supposed to be meeting someone here, Lainey Boggs," and they're like, "Oh, well, she's backstage." But um, what's your name? Oh, Zach Siler. Yeah, she did leave a ticket for you. Here you go. Enjoy, enjoy yeah. the performance. And he's like, "I'm sorry, what?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he at the very least was blindsided at the ticket booth or the box office rather if not i'm gonna get my ticket from will call and walk in i presume she'll meet me here right i'm gonna sit down the lights are going down what is happening right and um, he is sitting by himself like there are other yeah. people in there but they are not near him and Correct. they all appear to know what's going on I, okay, just one quick note. I tried to see what the music was that was playing. It was not Shazamable. I have to imagine where to, it in story is, we're going to meet him tomorrow, but I have to imagine it's a Mitch original. Oh, like, sure. It ha- yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, random, trancy music, probably original recording. Now, here's the thing I really wanted to talk about uh, for this minute. He looks over to the audience. Mm-hmm. In the foreground, there is a, a shaved head. Um, I sort of got a, a, fem, a femme presenting sort of situation. I don't know. Sort of, I would say in 90s terms, it would be freak. Sure. Like sort of piercings, tats, yeah. weird clothes, whatever. You're supposed to think, oh my God, what misfits have I have I encountered here? Right. But then if you look beyond that person, that that quote-unquote freak, there is a black couple, middle-aged, that look delighted to be there out on date night. Honey, let's go to the jester like we used to. Won't that be great times? Let's have... Like, it looks like a date that is going well between a well-established married couple. I have to imagine there is a child or relative in the the performance, but that that couple looks, one, super comfortable... Two, completely out of place with the with the you know the other person in the foreground right. being the like. It cracked me up to see them. I didn't I notice that at all. It's it's only I mean my just because my eye wandered a little bit. They're like like I think she has her, like her head on his shoulder. They're kind of smiling wistfully. I'm like, oh. do they know they're in? What did they? What is their story? I right. want to know about them. What's going on? Yeah. There? Yeah, that's way more interesting than whatever's happening on stage. Yeah, and so what is happening on stage, Erin? Well, there is a silvery piece of fabric. Uh-huh. Undulating. Uh-huh. Undul- that, now, that's a great word, for sure. It's almost like if you had a fitted sheet made out of, mm-hmm. like, 
silvery gray lycra. Like the like a fire blanket material, like that shiny. Well, it's not that. It doesn't seem to be that shiny. It's more like okay. um, like what if an X Men's uniform? Yeah. Yep. But like just a fitted sheet made out of that. So it's not mm-hmm. like it's not like silver silver. Right. But it's not like a flat gray. Like there's a sheen to right. it. Um, but like, sure. so what if you had that fitted sheet and you put, oh, I don't know, say three people underneath just a it, random number, yeah, and um, just told them to undulate. Well, like if you were, if if the let's say these, I don't, yeah, I mean, I guess three, just a random number picked out of nowhere. People were folding the fitted sheet, and something went horribly wrong. They became trapped within the fitted sheet, right? Desperately trying to get out, and oh, they're on stage. That's what we're seeing mm-hmm. here. Yes, there is. There are definitely people, or some. There, there is something alive writhing under the sheet, kind uh-huh. of like if you put a cat in a pillowcase. Yeah, sure. And it had to figure its way out. That's kind of what it looks like is happening. Sure, feline escape room. Sure, yeah. absolutely. We all that's universal. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, the the cat is roughly three human people. The pillowcase is made out of silvery lycra, and uh, the room is a stage, specifically the jester. The stage of the jester. And Freddie Prince Jr. is there watching. And Freddie Prince Jr. is there watching and does not know why this cat is in this pillowcase (laughs) or why he is there. That's because he doesn't get art, Aaron. He well, not <laughs> yet. Like, they don't feel the people of the jester don't feel they need to explain their art to him, Aaron. It's true. It's true. <laughs> the jester is totally a place that has just a bunch of quarters glued to the wall. <laughs> they absolutely do. If you're ever looking for places where Empire Records employees go in their off time, the jester is a great example. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Don't tell me Deb did, never did performance art at the at the gesture. No, Do not even sit there and tell me. I don't think Deb did the performance art. I unless AJ dragged her there, but I would mm. I would believe that she willingly went to the gesture as an audience member, but pretended it was unwilling. Like, oh, right. I have to go see my coworker perform, or like, yeah. do this thing, but secretly, like, she loves the vibe there. Maybe yeah. not the the art itself, but she loves sure. the whole vibe of the jester. Oh, and yeah, it, yeah, I I think that's absolutely accurate. And now the jester is part of the Empire Records universe, mm-hmm. so. and there probably is is going to be one day when Deb will get up on stage and she will shave her head in front of an audience. Absolutely, she just has to wait for it to grow back. Exactly. Empire Records two, jester's wild. Mm-hmm. I mean, it practically writes itself. Yep. But that's all I have for this minute. Yeah, that's all I have. Um, shall I do some social media? <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking forward to this being the most normal episode of the of, of the, the week. week. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we as a podcast franchise are on Twitter at JE underscore Minute Movies. Individually, I am at Unabashedly Aaron. I'm at Unabashed James. We are proud members of the Scavengers Network on Twitter at ScavengersNet and on the internet at large at scavengersnetwork.com. Absolutely. I think that's going to do it for us for today. Uh We're going to go find out what kind of cat is trapped in that pillowcase tomorrow. I think tabby. You think a tabby? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say... um, yeah, I can see Tabby. I'm going to go with Orange Tabby, but like a feral alley tomcat who's like missing mm-hmm. part of an ear. 
Basically Heathcliff. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm, I'm, no, you know what? I'm picturing O'Malley from Aristocats. Oh, okay. Sure, that's, sure. That's, oh, so, so a tie. Got yeah, it. that's what I'm picturing. Yeah, um, that makes sense. But yeah, so we'll find out tomorrow if O'Malley from yeah. Aristocats is inside a pillowcase on the stage of the Jester. But until then, try to be nice to people. You okay there, James? <laughs> this show. I love this show so much. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.